All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Hi, I'm Doctor. And I haven't been this excited in a long time. I know I'm excited for every guest, let's be honest. But we have the Michael Rondinelli um, joining us today. And I've Mike, Mike has been a, like a legend to me. And so it's so nice that I get to finally sit down and uh, talk to uh, Mike about everything that is growing practices from a startup to... Um, I don't know how many practices he has now. He's he's a super successful dude. But uh, welcome to the show now, uh, Michael. How are you, buddy? Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Naki. Thanks for that intro. And Akil, Nate, thanks for having me. Um, no, I'm super excited, too, just to sit down with you guys. I feel like, you know, we're always crossing paths, uh, you know, at conferences or at uh, just meetings. And and uh, we never get to sit down and actually talk and you know, uh, go over our stories and go over, um, you know, lots of cool things that we're about to to go over. So no, thanks for having me guys. And I'm excited to spend the next little bit with you. Absolutely, man. Why don't you tell uh, everyone about yourself and, and where you practice and how, how you got to where you are? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I'll start kind of on the personal side and then I'll go over the business side. Um, uh, I'm married with two wonderful little children um, three-year-old Brooklyn and, and nine-month-old Joseph. Um, so we're busy. We're, um, uh, my wife is actually, uh, she's an OBGYN. So we're living actually in the U S right now, but we cross, I cross over to Canada every day to go to work. So we have a complicated, yeah, very complicated living situation right now, but she's just interviewing back in Canada. Uh, she's from Vaughn originally. So, um, yeah, we're making our way back, but, um, yeah, and then on the business side, so I graduated in 2012 from uh, University of Detroit Mercy. Um, from there, I started, I was born and raised in Sarnia, Ontario. So for those of you who don't know, it's about uh, an hour west of London, uh, kind of right across, right along the border. And um, yeah, I started working at a practice there uh, and then um, ended up purchasing it probably about a year and a half after I had started working there. So um, spent my first year and a half just learning how to be an associate, learning how to practice dentistry in Canada. And then kind of from there, I just started, you know, buying and starting up practices and 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 growing. And um, now we're currently at about just get, once we get done these last few startups that we're doing, we're we're going to be about close to 30 practices. Um, what? Yeah. 30? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll be at, at the three zero soon enough. And hold up, uh, hold up, hold up. You go from being an associate to just drop in, hey yo, fellas, I'm at 30 practices. <laughs> you missed a couple steps there, homie. In I have some a little if bit. you were to go to one practice a month, you wouldn't even get to them. <laughs> oh my god, man, what do you do in February, man? You're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, man. Yeah, That's incredible, it's, dude. It's taken, it's taken 11, 10, 10 to 11 years of hard work, but so yeah. I left that all out in the, in the process, but um, yeah, so no, it, it, the company's doing well. We're called the, the Huron Dental Group. Um, we have a side management company that kind of runs everything and, and helps us. So from our, our CFOs to our, um, oper- you know, our COO or op- ops person, regional managers. Um, we have a whole C-suite that kind of helps govern the practices. And um, yeah, I can honestly say I'm having more fun doing dentistry now, which I'm still a full-time practicing dentist. I still see patients uh, at least five days a week. Um, and yeah, I'm having more fun with dentistry now than I ever have been. So 
Uh, it's an incredible journey. Uh, we have the best profession in the world. I still say this every time I talk and I love what we do. And um, yeah, that's the the beauty of our profession is there's so many different avenues that you can take. And this is the avenue I've chosen and, and uh, absolutely love it. Did you set out to acquire 30 or did you set out just to stick with one? So I, I kind of grew up in a, a business family. My, my parents actually owned um, uh, some pizza places. So just small business. I know typical Italian owns pizza places. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so we actually owned a few pizza restaurants. And so it was always kind of ingrained in my mind about um, going into the business side. Uh, loved, loved dentistry for the obvious reasons, the same cliche reasons that everyone says, you know, how it combines arts and, and, uh, medicine and all that kind of stuff. So went into, I didn't know, I know I didn't want to do the pizza business anymore. I, I spent a lot of hard years working at my parents' restaurant when I was a little kid, didn't want to do that. So I stayed in school for as long as possible. Dentistry was, was what I fell into. And, um, yeah, so from there, I knew I wanted to have multiple businesses, and and I really enjoy working with people, and um, not just from a patient standpoint, but from also a managerial standpoint, and working with staff and and seeing something grow. Man, Mike, I I just it's just so interesting. Well, first of all, I put myself through university working at Pizza Hut. So um, pizza has been good to both of us. I, I'm sure uh, you got a lot more out of it than, you know, $4 and 50 cents an hour, but or something like that. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Man. It's, it's so interesting though, Mike, because everyone in dental school, uh, like I was just at a dental, a Canadian dental student conference in January, Akil and I were there and I was talking to these students and they'd be like, man, how do I, how do I own 10 practices? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone has this mindset of, I'm not going to own one practice. I'm going to own a ton of practices, but like in reality, they get out and maybe like the 0.1% of people can do what you have done. Like, what is it that drove you to do that? And, and how did you get your start going from one practice to just even go to two practices? Yeah. So, you know, again, I don't want to sound cliche, but it really is based on uh, the premise of helping people. Right. So I, when I first started as a dentist, I would see, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 patients in a day and I treated them really well. And I, you know, I, I saw how I could make eight, nine, 10 people happy in a day. And then I said to myself, well, what if, what if I use like kind of my business background and, and, you know, the, the, the way that I'm used to how I can run a business. I know I can run a business. What if I can get a bunch of dentists together that all kind of think like me and have that same basic uh, mindset of helping one another. And why don't we take almost like a medical model where, you know, how doctors all practice together and why don't we help one another as opposed to, you know, uh, always being so uh, working in solidarity and always working by ourselves. And why don't we combine this and then see what we can do? So, you know, we started with like, you know, two practices and then we went to four and then eight and 10. And we just kept on adding doctors and adding dentists that really believed in that same mindset. And, and just to see, to say, you know, I went from seeing eight patients a day and I made eight people happy. Now we're seeing hundreds of people a day and making hundreds of people happy. So that's really been my driver and my motivation since day one. It's, it's how many 
really cool, like-minded dentists can we bring together to really accomplish something that is, is, you know, moves the needle and, and not just makes eight people happy in a day, but makes hundreds of people happy. And that's what we've been able to do so far. So I can honestly say we have, you know, about uh, close to 40 dentists that work in our camp and, um, you know, everybody has the same mindsets and the same, the same type of premise. And we, and we, you know, are constantly every two weeks, we have a CE course that we're going over these basic core values where we believe in helping people and, and practicing good dentistry and helping one another and seeing what we can do as a group together. And uh, uh, I think that's really important in our profession because often we're faced with such um, we feel alone and we feel lost and, yeah. and we're all by ourselves and you're in somebody's mouth all day. And, you know, having that network of people around you is super important. So whether it's part of a group or you have a bunch of good friends or, or whatever it is, but we need to be making sure that we're, we're together with one another and, and really taking on this profession together. Or our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> or the podcast. Yeah. Neki's my only friend. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. okay. So like if you were to take a step back and, and, you know, try to, and, and this is what I love about having people you know that are so deep within a particular niche you know on this podcast because sometimes even for them they're like they kind of take a step back and like oh like i never even thought of it from like from that perspective right so like, if you were to take like a step back and think okay you know our objective was to bring like-minded people together and and you know practice great dentistry you know if if like how does that how is that actually like executed like is that you know, we're going to bring, you know, Neki, you know, if I'm in your shoes, would I bring you know, Neki in and say, hey, Neki, let's go buy a practice together? Or is that really, you know, I'll buy the practice and then, hey, Neki, this is a horrible example because Neki would never work for me. <laughs> but hey, Neki, you know, can you come, can you come work at my practice? Right? Like, how, how does that actually like translate to, you know, growing and yeah. scaling? Yeah. So I think like, kind of answer that question is that, you really need to make sure that you, your partners and those people that you surround yourself with are like-minded and um, really believe in the abundance mindset as opposed to the, you know, it's all mine. So, you know, if, if everybody believes in the abundance mindset and we can all help one another and we can achieve more together than just by ourselves, and that's an easy fit. So if you and Neki, you know, you, you drink the same Kool-Aid and you, you guys believe in the same things and you think you're each other phenomenal people, then you should be okay with partnering and growing a practice because if you want, you know, if you want more for yourself, do more, right? There's lots of opportunities out there. So go buy two, three, four, five practices with Neki. And, you know, one person doesn't have to work for each other. They can, you guys can all grow it together and all be partners together. So I think that's where our core mindset just came from is that, you know, what can we accomplish together as a group and um, finding part good partnerships and finding people like Akil and Neki and good people to surround yourself is, is tough. Um, you know, but that said is that finding the right person with the right personality and the right core principles is, is what we really look for. The dentistry is easy. We can, we can teach people, we can do lots of CE, we can, you know, uh, there's so many great resources out there. There's great, uh, amazing podcasts such as this. Neki has a great third molars course that I know a bunch of our associates have taken. And, you know, there's lots of great things, resources out there. So it's just finding the core people that are 
good people to be around and and uh that you really respect and they respect you and growing things together mike i i uh i really what what you're saying i'm drinking i'm drinking your kool-aid man like i want to come work <laughs> with you like a screw alberta man i'm moving moving out east but, love uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> like i have a problem that i think a lot of other dentists have and for me it's i i work in a rural town in alberta i'm very happy where i am but in my head, I was always like, man, it'd be so cool. I see people like you. I see people like Hisham, a lot of my other friends, they go from one practice to two and, and they keep on going. And then I'm always looking at, at the grass, you know, I'm like, man, is the grass greener on the other side? And I'm like, okay, but I, I would like to open up another one, but I'm, how do you be two places at once? My name's on the door in both places. How do I manage the staff in a town 60 kilometers away from me and manage my own? and do my like dental work. I, I just found it so overwhelming. And I think a lot of dentists like feel that same way. It's just very overwhelming to go from one to two. Um, what, what would you say to those dentists? What would you say to people like me that want to take that next step, but just don't know where to begin? Cause we're scared. Yeah. So you bring up a great topic and I'll reference what you said earlier too, is, is you meet dental students all the time that are saying they want to be, you know, they want to own 10 practices or they want to know, be the next, uh, you know, Amin Shibji there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we get that all the time. And and my answer to that is what's your, what's your motivation, right? Yeah. Is it, is it, are you driven? Like I said, I, I shared why, what drives us and, and that was helping using our resources to help as many people as we can in a day. But I'll tell you right now, if it's money that motivates you, or if you want 10 practices because you can make lots of money, you're wrong. Like having, having, I have a, a beast of an office in Sarnia. It's 16 operatories. It's kind of like yours. You have a massive yeah. practice and you work that practice and whatever it does, if it does three, four, $500,000 a month and you're there and you're watching everybody and how much the, you know, how much bond they're, they're using and how much etch they're putting on there and they're not wasting, you can pull killer margins out of that practice. You yeah. can pull 50, 60% margins out of that practice. So it bills say $3 million a year. You can take home in your jeans, 1.5, $1.6 million a year as being a dentist. Like that is insane. You're in the top 0.1% of Canadians with income, right? So yeah. Like if it's just money, why would you go open up another practice? Cause I'll tell you right now, splitting your time, you're not going to be watching how much bond gets used. You're not going to be watching, you know, if the staff members just sitting there texting on her phone for 45 minutes, you're not going to see any of that. So your practice is going to run so much less efficiently and your margins are going to be significantly cut and you're probably not going to make any more money. And in fact, you're probably going to make less money. So I'm not singing the blues and me and Hasham always joke about it all the time. As we say, we've never been so broke than what we are now because, you know, we have say 30 practices and all these, all these offices, but I'll tell you right now, they're not running absolutely as efficiently as they can. And the margins become from 60% margins down to say 10% margins. So that's 16 off practice that I'm using. I, 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 I run. I mean, there's six associates in there, uh, you know, three or four new grads. I'm going to tease the one guy today. I went into the room and he was doing an endo and he had 
14 K files that he was using. He had every time it would bend, he would grab another fresh K file. And I said, you know how much those K files cost? He's yeah. like, no, I have no clue. And I was like, they're like $80 for a box of five or something like that. <laughs> so you, yeah. You've lost money doing this root canal. That's going to fail. <laughs> Endo, you've now blown through like $300 of K files, like, yeah. <laughs> let alone everything else. So, you know, the motivation is to go from two, three, four, five, and it's just because you want more money, then don't, don't go find a big office, grow it over time, run it super tight and super efficiently. There's, you know, there's starting to pop up some good business courses on, on how to run your practice efficiently. Um, you know, me and me and uh, Quack and Jeff Sumner offer a great one. Um, you know, take some business courses on how to run things super tight, super lean, and that will be your, your income and that will be your money. You know, for us, it was about helping people. And I just wanted to see, I wanted to create something out of my career that was bigger. Um, and that's why I'm okay with making less money and, and growing the operations. So, you know, I, I guess that's my first thing of advice to, to everyone is really sit back and examine your why and, and why you want to, uh, expand to, to multiple locations. And if it's really worth it for you and your family and, and, you know, you're putting a lot on the line, you're, you're risking a lot. And, uh, you know, we're so blessed in this profession. I mean, Every one of, if you practice in, in rural areas, I, even though I'm in Ontario, I am, Sarnia is more of a rural town. It's only about a town of 70,000. So, I mean, if you're working in a rural area, you're making a couple hundred thousand bucks a year. You know, you can have all the fancy sports cars you want. You can have a nice SUV, you can have a nice house, you can have everything you want. So there's no, there's, there's, what's your motivation for putting that on the line and risking it? So you you really need to self-examine before you you do multiple locations, I'd say. And that's coming from someone who has multiple locations and loves it. Akil, I'm just going to throw it out there. Akil's a dental student, even though he's smarter than most dentists out there. That is quite possibly one of the best answers. I've asked numerous people that question. That's one of the best answers I've ever heard because Everyone has this false sense that like, no, you own 10 practices. They're each raking in, you know, multi-million dollar net every year. And so now it's just as easy. It's just, it's just a recipe. I'm just going to double it. I'm just going to triple it. And, and it's, that's not reality because you can't be at 10 places at once. You can't have your finger on the pulse of every practice, no matter how, how well you think you manage. Am I right? hundred percent. Like, I mean, let's geek out for one second on some numbers, right? Yeah. So right away on it. This is a satellite location. So this is a practice that we're not, I'm not at, Neki's not at, Akil's not at. So you have an associate right away. They're making 40%. That's yeah. gone. So, you, you know, you can't recover that. Uh, your staffing costs. Staffing is insane nowadays. There's dental hygienists, you know, they're all asking for 50, sometimes 60 bucks an hour. Yeah, that's nuts. You know, a hygiene appointment, you're making, you're billing two, 200 to 250 They're right away. They're, they're 60 bucks gone. Right. And that doesn't even include anything else. The overhead, the practice. So, you know, your staffing costs now are closer to 30%. So that's a third of, of it gone right there too. So you guys can see right away, we got, we're up to 70% here. Yeah. And that doesn't even include, uh, you know, so just the, the, the lights to turn on, you know, your building, your rent, your rent is anywhere from like six or 7% right there. 
of your revenue, your sundries costs are about six or 7%. Then you have your lab costs on, on any, on any fixed pro stuff. So you guys are seeing there's, there's nothing left. And so, yeah, if you're not a good business owner and you're not running things super tight, um, you're going to lose money. You're going to, you're going to actually be using that beast of an office that you have to support your dud that you now have. Um, so it's, it's, it can actually be a deterrent and it can actually be a bad thing if, if you try to expand and you, you necessarily don't know what you're doing and that, sorry, I ran all those numbers. I didn't include a practice loan. You know, what, what practice is going at 6% interest. Yeah. Six, yeah. 6% interest. So, yeah. you know, you got a, a $2 million practice, uh, that you just purchased. That's probably say if it's even doing a million in revenue, they're selling for like practice valuations have not come down at all. I don't know what's going on. Interest rates went up. I was expecting a crash in practice values and it has not come down one bit. At least that's what I'm seeing. So, you know, you're still the million dollar practice. You're still, they're still getting two, two and a half sometimes. And, and so you're 30, 30 grand a month principal and interest now on that. Uh, so yeah, like you gotta, you gotta really, really know what you're doing and you gotta be, uh, really have that motivation to do it because it could, it could be a really big sinking ship if you don't. Totally. And what's hilarious is like one of my really close friends, I love him to death. Uh, you know, he's a Sudbury boy, right? So, you know, he, he loves just brute forcing, white knuckling his way through things. And and I was I was walking back from the gym with him one day and he goes, Hey Keel, like and we always just bounce ideas off each other. He's like, Hey Keel, like, you know, if I buy one practice and I could pay myself X, can't I just buy two and then pay myself double? And I'm like, Well, man, like that's not really how it works. Cause like you're kind of working twice as much and you know, you're gonna have your loans and there's obviously like, you know, there's overlap and you have, you know, you have to, it's, it's not that simple. And, and it made me think because like, as you know, any dentist buying basically any practice is going to get the loan, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's so easy to get money and like people use that as a barometer to, to, you know, dentists kind of get that false sense of security that, Hey, if the bank gave me money, yeah, it must be a pretty good deal. But I think what the difference is, you know, if Michael Rondinelli is buying a practice versus if I'm out there buying my first practice, those are two completely different deals because I rely on the income from the, you know, from the practice versus, you know, you'd be able to say, okay, fit like, you know, net zero, that's fine because it's like a longer term play. And I think people don't really have that perspective and they have that like really dangerous false sense of security that oh, if the bank said, yeah, huh, good enough, but the bank's not there saying, good. Hey, maybe Akil, you know, wants to go to a Jays game every once in a while. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like they're not thinking that you bring up a great point, Akil. And, you know, I, and we are, we're talking and we said, we want to bring up some specifics and that would be a specific is that, you know, the bank will, we live in this fairy tale land where we get, 100% financing from the bank and we get prime interest minus 0.5 minus a, per, a percent that doesn't exist in the real world only doctors and dentists get that sweetheart treatment from the banks so even though they will throw the money at you which is awesome at the start and you love it and it's great they don't they're not they're not analyzing the business opportunity and you're going to be very very miserable 
because you just said it is that you can't go to a Jays game because you are broke because <laughs> you're paying off so much of your debt. So, you know, I'm at a place now where I can honestly say I'm happier than I've ever been because we've been able to assemble a team behind us. So I don't get sick calls at, at 5.30 in the morning or 6 in the morning. They call one of the managers and then the manager, you know, moves people around and staffs things. And I don't have to ever fire anybody anymore because we have an HR person on staff. But there was a time in my life when I was scaling this company, when I had about, you know, four, five, six practices, I couldn't afford anything. You know, um, Hasham and I used to joke, we used to compete on who could live off less we had our living costs, I think, each down to under $30,000 a year. We were literally living off of like mac and cheese. And we we're like dentists four or five years out uh, because we were so broke. It wasn't even funny. And, you know, the the, the practice debt was, was a lot. And we didn't have money to pay people to do things. I didn't have a regional manager. I didn't have, uh, you know, a COO. I didn't have a CFO. I didn't have anybody. I was wearing all the hats. I was doing the hiring. I was doing the firing. I remember going to almost three or four clinics in one day because I needed the income. I would go to one location, you know, drop as many implants as I could there. Then I would drive another hour to another location and drop as many implants as I could there Then drive over to another location and take out some wisdom teeth. And all because I couldn't refer anything out. I couldn't lose anything. I didn't have the dentist that would do it. Uh, and so I was, I, I needed all the money I could get to be honest with you. And I was miserable. I would leave the house at four or five in the morning and get home at nine or 10 at night and just crash and, you know, have to deal with, have my phone blowing up with 27 messages from, you know, some 19 year old assistant who got too drunk the night before and wasn't coming into one of the locations. Like it was miserable. So you know, you really have to, I'm not trying to paint a bad picture for growing multiple locations. I love it. It's the best thing. But, you know, when you come out of dental school and you say, I want 10 locations, just know that there's a lot of tough roads that go into that because it's not all just roses. It's not just as simple as I buy one, then I buy a second and the second one's going to go like the first one uh, and multiply rinse and repeat times 30. It doesn't work like that. So there's a lot of sacrifice that has to happen. Uh, it would have been really tough to do it with the family that I have now. Uh, you know, I was a single guy and it was a little bit more acceptable. Um, so yeah, these are all considerations that you really need to take into, into consideration. And like, it always goes back to what I said. If it's for the money, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I, I, I know a lot of people listening to this podcast can't, you know, they don't have the video of this, but this smile on my face, I cannot get rid of because <laughs> this is finally real. I talk to so many people and they just blow smoke and they show off their Rolexes and they tell me about their nice cars and it does not. Bro, there's not even a wrist on this. There's not even a right. Right. <laughs> I tell a kill all the time. I'm like, dude, you don't trust the dude in the Rolex. And then the, the first thing his shams like, dude, check out my Rolex. And I'm like, <laughs> he's like a Rolex collector now. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I'm like, man, this is finally real. Michael, thank you so much for just keeping it real. But when I, I guess when I was looking at a practice, like let, let's just go back to I want to I want to get a practice, okay? 
um, you said you, you were throwing out some numbers earlier, like people, like there's practices going for two and a half times or a certain times EBITDA or what the hell is EBITDA or like, what are you looking for? Give us specifics. If you're a new dentist, what are you looking for when you're valuing a practice? Yeah. I, so we can talk about valuing a practice for sure. Like I'll, I'll, I can touch on that, but I'll be honest with you. Let's take it one step, you know, previous and say, do you even want to buy a practice? Mm-hmm. I personally love startups, probably of my 30 offices. I think probably about 20 of them are startups. What? Um, really? 100%. Wow. 100%. I, if I had to, if you put a gun to my head and said, you got to do a practice tomorrow, it would be a startup. Why? There's no cash flow. Like, aren't you scared of not having enough patients coming through the door to pay that loan? 100%. Well, if you're doing a startup smart, hopefully your loan isn't that much. Right. So, you know, there's, there's, so let's talk about, yeah. So the, the benefits of a startup, right? Yeah. So the benefits of a startup, first off, you can probably, if you're being smart with your design, smart with your contract, you got to have somebody that that's done it before. So there's so many times that dentists just go and they call their equipment rep and the equipment reps like, oh yeah, I'll draw you some stuff and introduce you to this person, introduce to that person, which they're all just like collecting, you know, backdoor you know, uh, kickbacks and whatnot. You're like, so, wow, they're so helpful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got a buddy that does construction. And then like, yeah, he's just literally, and, and ask me how I know is because I, everything that I say I've gotten screwed by. So don't act like I'm, I'm this expert. I'm, I'm amazing. Hasham and I did our first startup together and we got raped over the coals on just about everything the equip we found out later there was no amalgam separator in our mechanical room because the guy that sold us it didn't put it in and then sold it to another dentist behind our back and we paid for it we paid for it so he sold it to another guy as a used unit so i mean we have we had gotten screwed every which way on our first startup right so you know if you can have somebody that can guide you through the process and make sure act as a mentor that's done it, you know, before or done it multiple times, then it you can be super, super efficient and you can do a startup equipment leaseholds on 1500 to 2000 square feet for anywhere from half a million to 600,000 bucks. So wow. your principal and interest payments on that is not overwhelming, right? Yeah. But then you see, you see so many people on that exact same practice, 2000 square feet are spending like 1.8 mil. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's wild. Moronic. You know, perfect. So it should be 600 K. All right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. If you're spending over 600 K, you know, patient, anything you build, patients are going to think is amazing. Like just because you don't have glass everywhere, it just as long as it's clean, it's got you can buy like IKEA furniture and people think it's so cool. And it's it's just the most modern thing, the most amazing practice. Like the average dental practice is some 60-year-old dentist who has still the same furniture from you know uh, that was in your grandmother's house. So it, it's it's just the fact that you have something that looks somewhat modern and somewhat decent. I mean, they're going to be super happy and they're going to think this is the coolest place in the world. So you don't need to spend $1.8 million. Simple, clean construction and then fancy it up with some nice pictures from, 
you know, wherever you buy your Marshalls or wherever you buy your stuff from. So my Kia furniture and like you're laughing, like it's going to be absolutely the best place in town. You have to be good with your location selection. So, you know, I'm a big believer that dentistry is going retail now. So, you know, the days of putting it in, in the, next to a doctor or something like that are, are over. I think high traffic locations, you know, anywhere next to a Starbucks, uh, those kind of those type of locations are where where dentistry is really, really going nowadays. Unfortunately, we're becoming a retail play. Um, you know, that plus, like I said, good construction. You're able with the startup, you're able to hire good staff. Every time I've bought a practice, and sorry to any of the practice, you know, the the principals that are that are listening to this that <laughs> I've purchased, but usually you're buying a bunch of problems. The staff is is there's a reason why someone's usually selling. You know, either the the dentist is really old and they're just retiring, which the dentist is leaving. So then you're gonna have patients leave. You're gonna have some staff leave because they're used to working with that person. Um, or they're a younger person, they just hate managing, which means they're usually not a good business operator. So there's usually just a ton of problems that you have to try and fix. So now you've just spent two or $3 million. You have like a 30 to 40 to $50,000 loan payment every month. And you just have inherited a bunch of problems. So therefore, that's why I love, you know, we pick the staff, we hire the great, you know, the best people that we, we think for the job. We have our systems in place. We train them with our systems. We have a good marketing program where we can drive anywhere from 50 to 100 patients, you know, a month in pretty easily on a startup. And we have it up to a thousand patients within, you know, nine months. Uh, it's it's pretty easy. So like for me, that's 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 the way, that's the recipe. If anyone, you young dentists are listening from, from uh, you know, dental school or just starting out their career, I highly consider the startup model. It also, comes big, like shit. I said, it goes, this is amazing. I'm writing everything yeah. down here, man. This is keep, keep going. <laughs> don't, don't stop. Don't stop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it all comes down to location too, right? Like I kill you're in downtown Toronto, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's tougher market there, but that said is I know guys that have done very successful startups in downtown Toronto. It's just your customer service has to be on point. I think you guys just had a, an interview with, um, uh, yeah. I, I just listened to one on my Der- drive. Derek and yeah. Derek and Dustin. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. Like what they're doing. Right. So it's, it's, uh, I haven't been there, but I almost want to go for a cleaning there just to check it all out. <laughs> I'm going there on Saturday. <laughs> Two fillings. <laughs> so, so awesome model. They're separating themselves and they got great marketing, great name. I'm assuming the location's awesome. Um, you know, and they're just hitting it all on all cylinders They're they have great customer service and, and, uh, just a great business model. So with all those things, there's no reason to spend three, four, $5 million on an office and, and just swarm yourself in debt. Uh, you can do things nice and efficient and, and still have a great business going forward. I got a question for you from like, uh, you know, a, a young soon to be dentist, um, you know, perspective. What's the playbook for all of this? Because it seems like without having gotten screwed by, you know, having someone selling an amalgam separator, like how do you learn this sort of stuff? Because I feel like this information is always just with the people who have made the mistakes and that's not scalable. 100%. So like, unfortunately, there, I hate to say it, especially in Canada, like there are some there are some gimmicky courses down in the U.S. Like I think breakaway seminars, yeah. 
Um, you know, there might be some other ones that have replicated that, but then again, like I've taken those and they're, they're more geared to the U S market, like down in Texas and Texas is just a different beast than, uh, anywhere in Canada. So, um, yeah, unfortunately kill there's, there's not a lot of good resources on how to do like a Canadian, uh, dental business startup. There just really isn't. So, you know, just trying to find a good mentor that's, that's done it before and, and, uh, can kind of walk you through the playbook. And I mean, there's, there's resources online, there's great Facebook groups, there's, there's some podcasts, uh, there are resources out there, but, um, yeah, unfortunately it'd be nice to see like a good Canadian course. Uh, here's your recipe. Here's your playbook. Uh, from A to Z on on how to do a dental startup if you if you want to do it. So, um, yeah, sorry that's not the answer you're looking for, but <laughs> that's kind of the truth right now. So, but basically, so, my- um, like, how do you how do you learn? Because this your operation only works with trust. Like, you have to know that the people around you have your back at all times because you can't, like you said, you can't be everywhere at once. And there's so many pieces to the puzzle that makes it all work. How do you learn to trust people that can, at the end of the day, not have your best interest in, in mind? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the golden question there, Naki, right? Like, it's just about everything in, in life is, you know, just trying to really read people and, and try to see their, their core values and their core principles. I, I don't hire people based off of their resumes that they, I'd say that probably the typical dentist looks and says, Oh, you've been in the dental industry for 20 years. I want to hire you. I'm the opposite. I'm like, why are you, why are you in the dental industry and why are you looking for a job? So, you know, trying to find those people that are just good down to earth people, ethical that, you know, um, once you meet them, that, that they're good people. And if they don't, if they have dental training, great. If they don't, uh, we'll train them. We, we, we actually started a dental dental Academy, um, for assistance and front desk. So it's a great idea. Yeah. It's an eight week program. Um, they come in, um, they train on assisting and, and front desk. And, you know, at the end, they, they hopefully sign a contract with one of our offices and all those people are not people that have been in the industry. These are all people that, you know, are the nicest people at Starbucks and and they're great at serving your coffee. And then we try to recruit them to our assisting and our, and our uh, front desk Academy, because those are the people that we're looking for. And those are the people that we can trust and, and the people that we want to be around. And like I said, it, it's the rest we can train. Um, being a nice person and being a good person, you can't train. And that's, that's what we really look for. Dude, I got a secret. <laughs> I, I don't know how I came across my office manager. She hired, um, this, uh, my, my receptionist right now, like each dentist in her office has kind of their own like team. You know what I mean? And I found the secret cell phone sales. Those people get bashed around like crazy my receptionist came from a cell phone sale background and she's so freaking amazing it's like you you don't want people that have been in the dental industry because they have too many bad habits you want someone that has that sales experience that has that you know they've been said no to several times and, and it doesn't like startle them 
You yeah. want that Starbucks employee that has that is nice to every dick that has their own individual, you know, non-fat, high cream, whatever, whatever, <laughs> extra hot, no foam, right? You want that person because they carry so much previous experience that they will bring into your office, man. I totally agree with you. Yeah. It, yeah. So like for sure, sales and customer service, right? So yeah, I mean, some of our gems are from McDonald's because McDonald's oh, yeah. is yeah, they're the best at systems. You know, McDonald's, when they onboard you, you don't just like, like the way we train dental staff right now is we say, hey, you, you're new, just go follow Susie for three weeks and, and see yeah. what she does. And then, you know, and then we'll throw you in with some patients. And, and that's not how you train. That's not how you onboard. McDonald's has the whole McDonald's university. I mean, they go and they learn systems and protocols and they got videos and they learn you know, you can only put three pickles on a, on a bun. And so these people that have worked at McDonald's, they're brainwashed to listen to these systems that are in place. So we train our staff similar ways. We have, you know, YouTube videos that they have to watch before they onboard. They have, you know, training, they have books that they have to read. And so these people, like all these people that come from these customer service industries, they're, they're okay following systems and they understand protocols and they, understand what it's like you said to deal with uh people who are very particular in the public and you know and and all these tough people to to serve they do it with a smile and uh yeah that's that's our secret as well is really going out to the industry and not worrying about people's uh backgrounds like from an hr point of view right because i mean without a doubt every single dentist that either comes on this podcast you know, I talk to in person, their complaint is always HR, right? It is the hardest thing to do. And it is the hardest thing to do, right? And I mean, you know, we're in the process of scaling our own company, and like, we're bringing on new people. And I have this, you know, internal sort of struggle where, you know, I love that idea of hiring for personality. And I love the, you know, you know, the people you work with, are the people you spend the most time with, so you got to like them. But on the other hand, I kind of think to myself, well, that's really important from, you know, the managers or the, um, you know, like the heads of departments. But when you start hiring other folks to, you know, execute a very specific job, do you need to go to that level? And like, that's just, that's not me saying you shouldn't, but that's just me asking, is that something you do throughout an organization? Or is that just something you need to have, you know, key people having those same values as you in those key roles? Yeah, for for me, it's it's I believe in and you have to have people that uh, have those key values and those core principles throughout your whole whole organization. Because if you have somebody that doesn't have those, I mean, one bad apple can really throw off a whole dynamic. Like Neki, you have a massive office. I mean, you hire one wrong person and it can just ripple. Oh, uh, I know. Throughout, throughout the whole. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. It's man. It's it's one virus that gets in there, right? And yep. then everyone everyone has their own team, and the dynamic is crap, and you're kind of put in the middle. So you should be that picky, like throughout, like the entire organization. Everyone should be the you know person you want to work with on a day to day basis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I believe that, and, and you know, obviously, I'm not blind to the fact that. HR right now is a really, really big challenge. And you almost have to think though, if you're having problems with HR, it's 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 always easy to blame everybody else, right? 
there's a great book um, by Jocko Willick. It's called Extreme Ownership. And um, uh, it's it's all about everything in your life is your responsibility. So if you're in a crappy marriage, if you're in a crappy relationship, if you're not happy with, you know, your weight, if you're not happy with anything, it, it's all your fault. <laughs> I don't mean to be blunt, but it's true. So if you're not happy in your marriage, get a divorce, you know, find somebody else. If that's if you're that miserable, you know, if you're not happy with your weight, figure out a way to get to weight loss, right? And you know, I think we need to take that into our into our own dental offices too. And if HR is that big of a problem, what are you doing to try and solve that problem? You know, we, like I said, we, we created a, a training academy where we bring in people off the street and we train them, you know, or, or just examining your culture. Like, you know, there's all these like dental assistants, happy dental assistance day, happy, uh, you know, front desk admin day recognizing that give your give your um your staff like a a ten dollar gift card to tim hortons that day because it's their day on their birthdays give them a payday off or send them some flowers and a, and a cake so you know it's it's easy just to say yeah hr's a problem and i can't find anybody and i can't find any to work but i think it's really important that as a business owner you really reflect on yourself and you reflect on yourself as a leader and say, why am I having such a problem? And maybe it's not the industry. Maybe it's not the world. Maybe it's not millennials being lazy. I hate hearing that. No, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm 38. So I don't know if I'm a millennial still or not, but I just hate hearing that millennials are not lazy. They're not, there's not this whole generation of lazy people. They just think differently. They don't, they're not like the boomer generation where it was like clock in nine to five and, and, you know, put my head down and work a job. Millennials want to solve a problem. Millennials want to be part of something special. So if you have a bunch of 19 year old assistants or 20 year old assistants that aren't showing up every day and they're miserable, find out what you can do to motivate them. And it's not money. It's not, you know, I'm just going to pay them more, or I'm just going to, you got to find them. They have to have a purpose. They have to have a mission. Put your mission and value in your course beliefs everywhere throughout the office so that people have a reason to go to work every day, you know, motivate them with, with some type of goals, incentives. You know, I always use the analogy. If you, if you went to uh, watch a football game and there was no score clock, that'd be so boring. It'd yeah. be unbelievably boring, right? Because there's nothing to, there's no goal. There's no mission. There's like, we, there's nothing to strive towards. Right. So have some type of measurement for your staff. Like this is our goal this month. Let's hit it. And if we hit it, we all, you know, go have a pizza party or we all go for a beer after, after, you know, work one day. So putting those, those goals in place and, and, and different incentives for your staff and your HR problems should go away. I think just, it's, it's just so easy to blame millennials and it's and blame the job market and blame Justin Trudeau for giving away money. And, you know, like, it's just, there's so many things to blame. And I think it's the first person you always need to blame is yourself. If things aren't going well. That's, I think that's, that's it right there. We, we're always looking to blame someone else when we really should be looking in the mirror. Um, yeah. Mike, how did you learn to be a leader? Because dental school, doesn't teach us to be leaders then we graduate have two letters in front of our name and now all of a sudden we're expected to lead a group of people through a very difficult business a very stressful business 
Um, how did you develop your skills? Did you go to courses? Did you have your own mentors? Did you read a lot of books? Like, how do you fine tune your skills? Yeah, like the simple answer is like books, podcasts, such as this. Like, there's a lot of good people you guys got on this podcast. Like, you know, I'm not just saying that because I'm on it, but like the lineup is just unbelievable. Like, I'm shocked that you guys have got so many big names. Like, this is incredible, right? I don't think there's any other Canadian podcast in dental that's getting the names that you guys do. I know there isn't. I know there isn't. So, you know, but anyways, books, podcasts, you know, all that kind of stuff is definitely good for ideas and whatnot. Um, and, you know, we could easily put a reading list together, but. Do you have any like books that come to mind, like right off, right off the bat, like ones that have like revolutionized your, your thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned the one, right? Extreme Ownership yeah. by Jocko Willick. Uh, love that one. Um, anything Simon Sinek. Like, yeah. you know, he's, Start with why, right? Yeah. He's the man. Yeah. Uh, love him. Um, uh, the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber is another really good one. Um, I mean, it's a classic you know, uh, Dale Carnegie, uh, yeah. you know, those ones. yeah, all, all the big, I mean, you haven't, you haven't, most people on this that are listening, haven't read the main, the main ones that everyone mentions. Right. So yeah. start with that. There's a, there's a cool app I downloaded. It's called 10 min. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. So no. it's, it's, yeah, it's called 10 min. It's 60 like, bucks for the whole like year. T E N 10, the number 10 and then M I N. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so uh, for busy people like yourselves, like I'm sure you guys don't have time to sit down and read a whole book nowadays. It's it's tough. So it's it breaks up all these books, everything I just mentioned. You can there's a whole category if you just want to type leadership, and um, it it does 10 minute audio book summaries of all those books. So it gives you all the main points in an audio book format all in 10 minutes. So you can read E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber in 10 minutes. So those are those are great little hits if you're working out at the gym or uh, you got to drive to work and you just want to cram out a book in 10 minutes. I mean, it's it's great. Uh, so download that app. It's like I said, 60 bucks for the year, but it's, it's worth it. Um, but yeah, and then just, you know, leadership in general, it, it's you're thrown into it if you take your job serious. If if Neki, you how many staff do you have? Just just at a rough uh, idea. 42. You you as you're the leader of the ship, you are responsible for 42 people's salaries. So like it is your responsibility to know how to do run a good business, run an efficient business, run a profitable business. Or those 42 people aren't going to have a paycheck, they're not going to have right. raises when they want them. They're not going to have, and those 42 people also have families. So they have three or four people that are dependent on them sometimes too. So you're responsible for 200 people here of putting food on their table. And that's because you have to be a leader and you have to know what you're doing and you have to steer the ship in the right direction. And that to me is how you become a leader and how you become is that if you take the weight of everyone that you're employing on your shoulders you're going to become a leader really good and really fast. You're not going to be, if, if you have that virus, like you said, that, that really bad, yeah. employee, you're not going to be scared to fire her. You know, your success, your success in life is directly proportional to the, un, the number of uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have. 
So you're not going to be scared to fire that person because you're a true leader and you know that those people depend on you to be one. So, I mean, for me over the years, that's probably where I've gotten the most leadership. It's not from a book. It's not from, you know, reading something. It's, it's not from anything other than just really taking that responsibility on myself to know that, you know, I have 200 plus employees and, and they depend on me to, to know what I'm doing and to run a profitable business and a profitable operation or else, they're not going to eat and their family's not going to eat and they're not going to get a raise and they're uh, everything else is going to crumble from there. So, you know, I think you just really need to take that on your shoulders and and you'll be fine. You just blew my mind. <laughs> Dude, I've never ever considered that. How, how did it take 14 years for me to consider that like that? You're totally right. It's not the immediate staff you're, you're just worrying about, you're concerned about the the 200 people behind those people that their families. And if you think about it just like that, you're, you're much more able to have those difficult conversations because there's much more at play. Dude, I never realized that. Akil, did you, are you hearing this, man? <laughs> That's awesome. That's a really yeah. good way to think about it. Cause it's like you, you flip the narrative from being, you know, it's about me, me, me. I watched this documentary, um, about Adam Adam Newman, the WeWork founder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam Newman, and like the thing he constantly drilled into, you know, his like staff and his team, and you know, everyone is, you know, be a part of something, and even as like, you know, to his customers, like be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. And I know WeWork, you know, kind of imploded, but you know, I still think that's so true. And like, you know, Necky, you know, if you view it from that angle you are a part of something that's bigger than just yourself. You are yeah. more than just your patients. You are more than just your practice. It's, you know, you're, you're part of something that is, you know, affecting 200 people and Michael for you, like 400 people, right? That's something that's hugely, you know, important. And it's much easier to have those conversations to your point. So that's a really good way to think about it. Actually, I never thought of it like that. Yeah. And it all loops together if you guys are seeing it. Right. So like if, you, if you're responsible for running, being a leader, being a good leader, I say being a good leader, but then, you know, you have to, that will translate into running a successful business is that you're able to give your, your staff and those people that depend on you, the perks that come with that. Right. So, you know, you can have, you know, birthday celebrations, you can have um, you know, good days out and you can have like a good camaraderie amongst your group and bonuses and, uh, all that fun stuff. And then you won't have staffing problems and HR problems. So like everything kind of loops together and, and, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's, it all comes down to you as that business owner and as that, as that leader and, and, you know, not only just being an amazing dentist, that's what's so tough about our profession is that you have to be a good dentist, but then you also have to be a good CEO and, uh, spending just as much time working on your business and working on your staff and working, spending time with, with the HR side of things as you do becoming a good dentist. So Michael, what's the long-term play with, you know, building a DSO? Yeah. So, you know, that's a great question. And I, I, my associates always, I, I just got a new desk in my office and they saw me packing up all my stuff and they all started teasing me saying, did you just sell out to dental corp? So <laughs> <laughs> they're like, well, I thought you would tell us Mike, but you know, it looks like this is how we're going to find out. And I'm like, guys, I just got a new desk. 
(laughs) I just wanted a standing desk for God's sake. (laughs) So anyways, no. So the, the long-term play is like, we're, we're having fun with what we're doing. And like I said, I've, from the start is that I've been able to assemble this really cool group of dentists that I work with and, and our, our crew is just absolutely amazing. And, uh, um, so I'm having more fun now than I ever have. And I don't deal with half the bullshit that I used to deal with. Um, we have a, an amazing team that I go into, uh, when I go to our head office too, everyone's wonderful. Um, so yeah, I'm having more fun than I, I ever have. So never, ever would I, I ever sell, uh, out anything. And and I'm just going to keep growing and hopefully keep bringing on amazing people. Um, it's kind of funny now because I've been out for 11 years. So I remember when I was first starting, I was the young, cool guy. And, you know, we're always going out with all the staff and we're always partying and always doing stuff. And, and, you know, now things have changed. I'm kind of the older guy and talking to these young dentists and it's, 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 it has rejuvenated me and it's, and it's, and it's going well. And, uh, it's fun to see things kind of progress into the next stage all the time. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to keep going. We're just going to keep trying to add practices to the platform and add great dentists and add great people and see how far we can really go. So there's, there's no real play on our, no real playbook. It's just, um, as long as I'm having fun, I'm going to keep, keep pounding. How do you find your um, dentists that want to like, obviously you have like-minded dentists. Like how do you, do you approach people? Do they approach you and they want to be part of your family? Like how, how does that work? Yeah, no, hundred percent. Like I know uh, some other DSOs and stuff, like they're always into the schools and they're always like yeah, lecturing and whining and dining dental students. And we're kind of the opposite. We, we just more go off of referrals. So kind of like our dental practices, you know, they, they always say the best patients are the ones that are just referrals. So uh, we kind of take the same mindset when we try to find dentists. Um, unfortunately, I'll be honest with you. It, it's actually very easy to find dentists nowadays. Um, you know, sometimes it's harder to find a, a dental hygienist than it is yeah. a, a dentist. So that's unfortunate for me, not for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's unfortunate for our profession that we're flooding, you know, we're flooding the market for sure. But um yeah, it's it's we can usually base off of a referral from a current dentist if if we we really treat people well. We focus our group on a lot of CE. Uh, we're constantly every two weeks we're doing some type of CE activity. Um, so you know they basically they're always cool with referring their friends and saying, hey, this is a really cool group. Um, they have great camaraderie. Com- camaraderie. You know, there's a, a WhatsApp chat that's always kind of going off nonstop uh, with all of us dentists. Um, and then the CE, we're always seeing everyone every two weeks and we take trips. We're going to Brazil in a, in a week uh, to the Neodent um, um, uh, head office there. So, yeah, we just we it, usually if you have a good culture and a good group, um, you know, it, it, it's easy to find dentists that want to join you. I, man, this is just, I I just, I want to be a part of your crew. I just love this mentality. I feel like I'm on an Island out here and you know, there's a couple of us dentists. We, we, we talk at work, but that's at work and we're all in, in the shit together. 
but you you just you built this. You need nice to get little... you out to Ontario. I I couldn't. Man, agree. I can't wait. You know, We're gonna know it's been it's been nice, and I'm moving out there. Can we go to a Raptor game together or something? And <laughs> I feel like I, most of your buddies are out here in Ontario now, so I think we need to start moving you out here, right? Yeah, no, man. I, you know, the thing that impresses me about you is, you know, you, you have this, this business acumen, that's great, but you're still just like Hisham, like you're, you're in the trenches, you're still doing dentistry and you're not doing the easy dentistry. You're not doing the four, six buckle amalgams. You're doing all the hard crap that maybe your associates can't do. And you're doing it five days a week. Can you talk about why you still want to do that? Like you don't have to, you can just manage your practices. Because that's yeah. a full time job on its on on its own. Yeah, my my associates always ask me. They always say, "Why why are you still practicing?" And and you know the number one reason I'll be honest with you, you know, between all of us, is that it's the street credit. Like I don't, I can't talk to a dentist and say, "Hey, that four six mo is not acceptable." When they'll be like, "Dude, you haven't picked up a handpiece in six years. Like, what yeah. do you right?" And and I don't want to lose that. And, and, you know, I, I definitely do a lot of the, the tougher stuff, the, the implants and, and whatnot, but I still do four, six buckles all day. Um, you know, and I still do normal fillings and, um, yeah, I, I have a couple of old ladies that want me to clean their teeth. So I'll do profies. Um, you know, so it's, 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 yeah, you have to you have to stay relevant in your profession and I don't ever want to lose the skill that I have of dentistry. Plus I'll be honest with you. It's almost therapeutic. It's, it's nice just, uh, it's nice cleaning teeth once in a while. <laughs> I just sit there and nobody can bug me. Like, I don't care if one of the locations is on fire, I'm just doing a profi. <laughs> I love it. Missed a spot. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's I think it's important um when you are running an organization to to really stay in the trenches with your team. And and that's in small business in general. When I grew up in the pizza business, I mean, my my parents never missed a day of work. They were always there because the quality the second they left, the quality sacrificed. And I still have that same mentality moving forward, even though I'm not at all my locations, obviously. Um, I'm still there. I'm on the line. I'm on the trenches. I'm, I'm trying out new products that we want to bring on to the group. Uh, and if I'm not a dentist anymore, I, I don't have that availability to do that. Interesting. Interesting. Were you always of, and I know you grew up in a, you know, a pizza family. So you had that entrepreneurial tick when, from when you were young, but like when you were in dental school, were you like that guy, like that business guy, or were you just you know, focused on being a really good dental student? Like, what were you like back then? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I probably was like that guys. And as in, I was looking at appraisals, I was looking at practices, even when I was a, a dental student. So I definitely knew that I wanted to get onto the business side of things. And, you know, even if you're not that guy, or, or business isn't your main focus, like, you you owe yourself and you owe your patients and you owe your staff members like the 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 respect to basically learn some basic business acumen there there's tons of the the one great thing that came out of covid is that everything went online so there are some phenomenal business courses that you can take there's i took one over 
COVID on, I think it was called business essentials is through Harvard university. And, um, uh, you can take a, it's called like a core series and it, it has like an accounting, um, economics and, and, uh, what's the other one, um, leadership or something like that. So, I mean, you can take one of those courses and it will absolutely open your mind to, you know, how to, it's, it's just the simple ways of running a business. And, I think every dental student, I think every every dentist out there should go above and beyond and take some type of basic business training because you get none in dental school. Let's be honest. There's absolutely nothing. They try to say that they teach you a business course. It's not even a business course. It's not good at no. all. So yeah, you got to go to other resources. You got to find something. Take a, a simple, even business course at your college. You know, there's some dentists that we know that have taken MBAs. I mean, that's great. That's amazing. That's beyond, you know, that's that's in, uh, truly incredible. And and I hats off to them. Um, but I don't even think you need to do that. Just taking, just reading at, uh, some type of business book or, or reading, taking some, some courses uh, anywhere. I think you'll get enough of a basic business knowledge on how to run a small business and how to um, somewhat manage your team and, and run things successfully. Mike, you're man. I, I honestly, I, I wish this podcast would last five hours because this has been on one of my favorite episodes because you're just real. You're not trying to sell us something. You're, this isn't fake. This is real life clinician to clinician. I, I just love it, man. And I have so much respect for you, but I got a question. Where do you see dentistry? over the next 10 years, 15 years? Like, where do you see our profession evolving? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great question. Great question. So, you know, like, like we, like I said, we, my wife's a, a doctor in Detroit. So we're living in, in Detroit area right now. And I see how things are on the American side and um, everything in Canada follows, you know, America, in my opinion, it just takes five, seven, 10 years longer to do it. So I think right now, hopefully no one fact checks me, but I think right now in the U.S., I think 13 or 14 percent of practice uh, of dental practices are somewhat like corporate owned, you know, yeah. um, and they say if it's like three and above, it's almost like 30 percent, you know, uh, owned by people who have three and above practices. So um, corporate dentistry is real. Uh, it's happening in the U.S. Uh, Aspen Dental opens up a new dental practice every three days. Like it's insane. Um, so yeah, it's happening. I mean, uh, dental corp and one, two, three, they're kind of taking over things and they're getting bigger and bigger. And there's talks that they're going to start getting into startups. And, um, you know, I wouldn't surprise me if one, two, three is opening up a dental practice every three days in, in the future as well. So, um, I think dentistry is changing. I think it's going retail. Like I already mentioned, um, I think it's going very, very, very corporate. I think it's going, um, very customer, uh, customer centered, which in my opinion is awesome. I think it's great. Any, the more competition that we have out there, who wins the patient, right? And what are you in this profession for to serve the patients? So I hope we have five dental offices on every corner, uh, because that's just going to, up the up the game and it's going to make all of our dentists you know so much better and we're going to be able to provide great services for a great cost and and 
you know, the, at the end of the day, the patient wins. So um, is our profession changing a lot? Absolutely. You know, I feel like the GPs out there, are, there's these massive GP offices that are forming and, and super centers and, you know, they're bringing in specialists. So um, absolutely the landscape is changing and it's, it's, I think it is changing for the better. I think we got to just really make sure that we are graduating a lot of dentists. I think we need to make sure that our credentialing process, you know, keeps with the, 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 the standards stay really high. Uh, we're not just letting in uh, anybody and, and not just have letting anybody be a dentist. Um, the credentialing process needs to, to, to stay stringent and, and we need to make sure that we're graduating really, really good dentists. And if that happens, I'm okay with graduating tons of dentists and, um, you know, having competition to really drive amazing patient care and, and amazing services for the, for the public. We've already came so far in our 20, 30 years, uh, like patients are all traumatized from, from those old generations of dentists. And, you know, nowadays the dental visit is absolutely painless essentially. So we've already done so much in 20, 30 years. I'm, I'm excited to see what we can do in the future, whether it's growing teeth or whatever we do. Um, you know, our AI just does it all for us. I don't know. Uh, but I'm excited to see where, where this profession goes for sure. And spoken from a man with the true abundance mindset. I, I think you, you clearly laid that out there. Thank you so much for spending oh, uh, your evening with us. Like this was wicked. I, man, I, I killed, come on. That was the, that was one of the best ever. That was unreal. <laughs> that was unreal. That was so awesome. Thank you so much oh, for coming on the show and, and uh, we hope to have you back again. Yeah. Thank you guys. And thanks. Keep doing this. Like, this is amazing. You guys are really crushing it. So proud of you both. Wicked. Thanks, homie. Thanks guys. Welcome to the high. I'm Neki. Is that a sweater? Yeah, dude, dude. It's the high. I'm doctor sweater. Oh dude. I see you got yours on too. Looking sharp, bro. Dude, where'd you get yours from? Uh, it, it was super easy, man. I just went on to our website, www.highimdoctor.com. That's H-I-I-M-D-R.com. We have a website. We must be raking in cash from selling these sweaters. Dude, we are killing it. I mean, if, if that includes losing money on every single sweater that we make, I, I think we're doing really well. Yeah, Neki and I are donating all proceeds, which is zero to charity because we are losing money. <laughs> so I, I wonder if the charity will pay us. I think, I think we got something here, man. Let's, let's keep on, <laughs> let's keep on losing money on every sweater. Alrighty guys, go check us out. Hi, I'm doctor.com. We'll see ya. It was like the perfect parts, like success, humility, um, willingness to share and, charisma that I think made that podcast just I think one of the best we've ever recorded my goodness and I knew it was going to be good but I didn't think it was gonna be like that good like like I've heard of of Michael Rondinelli and and how great of a guy he is just from one of our other guests Hisham Shurgan who's one of my mentors and and first of all I love how my mentors are younger than me because they've just they've just accomplished so much and so it just proves age has nothing to do with it but um Man, I just, I don't even know how to explain it. I got this like warm, fuzzy feeling in me right now because I feel like I've gained his mindset. Like 
there is no such thing as competition. I hope more practices open up beside me because the patient wins. It's going to force our office to be even better. It's going to force my staff to be even better. And, and I'm the one who should be leading my staff when sometimes I feel like my office is on cruise control because I have a wicked office manager and it, you know, I come home and podcast, right? So <laughs> it, it just gives me a lot to think about. No, no, no. It's, it's the only thing that makes me happy these days. Is Necky quits the podcast the to be a full-time yeah. office manager. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. <laughs> oh my God. That it's was true, just though. so wicked. It's true. I, I find I really appreciate his uh, one abundance mindset. I think that's really tough to come by. Yeah. But two, I almost love when people treat like this line of work or just work in general as a game, you know, like they don't take it too seriously. It's, you know, if there's, if there's someone that opens up down the street, hell yeah. You know, that's, that's, you know, good for you for kicking me in the ass, right? Like I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to one up you and I'm going to have to do this. And like, I love people who treat business like a game because it's just, it's so easy to take it like personally. And it is personal, right? Cause at the end of the day, you have to put food on the table, but I just love that you know, lightness to it. I really, really, really You're totally that. right. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I have the ability to, to move the pawns and, and, and change the game around and, and make it work again in my favor. Right. And it's just, you're right. It does keep it light. It's not something that will keep you up at night then. Cause you know that you have the opportunity to make the next move. Right. But think of that, like in the moment of when, something really shitty happens you don't take it like it's a game no. you take it it's it's personal right it's, it's personal world, yeah. now but yeah i'm just gonna i'm gonna remind myself of that podcast and just kind of one remind myself to have that sort of humility but two just remember it's 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 a game right like we're I'll doing this because we want to do it we're not doing it because we have to right like yeah. most things you should be doing because you want to do um if I was going to add a book to his list, because I agreed all of his books, but I think one book that I know he's read, but I don't know if he, you know, acknowledges that that's a huge part of his mentality is growth mindset, or, or it's called mindset. The It's by Carol Dweck. I was just trying to find the name. Yeah. Mindset, the new psychology of success. And I absolutely love this book. And it's about uh, growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Like uh, the mindset when you get when you're a kid and, you know, you need the praise of everyone else. And then that carries on to an adulthood and we need to be liked. And if the second someone disagrees with us, we take it so personally as a knock against our self-worth. And this is 99% of dentists out there, right? We all live in this fixed mindset, but like our homie Mike here, he's he's definitely in the growth mindset. And, and um it, it was just so cool to see a, a dentist have that mindset because I get caught in the fixed mindset all the time. Whereas I feel like I'm not good enough or if someone doesn't rate me high in one of my lectures, I take it as if the world has ended and, and I got to quit, you know? And so it's, it was just refreshing. I like it. Totally. Yeah. I've, I've, I've was it called mindset? Grow, it's called uh, Mindset, the New Psychology of Success. Dude, wicked book. And like, I read it in like two hours. Like, just wicked book, though. I would highly recommend it for every dentist. <laughs> Can you just call me for two hours? <laughs> just read it to me over the phone. Folks, those can go through the roof calling you in, in Alberta. <laughs> two man, hour phone call. Screw it, man. I'm going to come in person and read it to you because. I, I just, I just loved hanging out with you the other week, man. Like that was so, so awesome. Just hanging out in person. 
It was a good Zoom's, time. It was Zoom's really cool, fun. but it's it's just not the same, man. So it's it's wicked. I know. I know it's 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 funny, Nikki and I were just talking about how like five days, you know, like five days for me launching the company, five days of Nikki of like podcasting and and you know, teaching. And it's like looking back, like what was the best part? Like we went for a three hour random walk just between a lunch that I wasn't even supposed to be at and your Jay's game. <laughs> yeah. And like, that was the best part of the whole week, right? It's uh it's kind of funny things that work. Yeah. No, that was that was that was so awesome, man. Um yeah, I'm I'm so excited. We got a lot of great guests coming on too. Um, but I, I was just I thought Mike Mike really hit it out of the park. And I think a lot of newer dentists would appreciate this podcast. Yeah, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh we sure as hell did. Yeah, see you next time.